It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. And on today's show, I'm excited. I got Marquise Gray, former Gophers and NFL tight end. He started at quarterback, but we'll talk about that with him and, and talk about that change to the NFL tight end spot. But we got to talk about the Vikings. The Vikings are headed to the Saints, and this is another pivotal game. Why? Because they beat the Lions. They beat the Packers. They lost to the Eagles, which everybody now thinks the Eagles are a Super Bowl favorite. So that's a good team. But now they play the Saints, who we don't know which Saints team is going to show up, which Saints team is going to play. Now, they did travel early, and the Vikings are going to travel later this week. Now, whose plan is going to work out better? We'll talk about the favorite in this game and why. BetOnline.net has them as a three-point favorite to the Vikings. But is that enough or is that just right? Stay tuned. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Hey everyone, I'm Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show. It's a beautiful, uh, chilly Wednesday. I don't know about you Minnesota folks, but I am trying not to turn my heat on just yet. My wife every morning wakes up. She tries to make it look like she has 50 like layers on when she's sitting in the living room uh, reading a book in the morning when I get up and I'm like, I'm still holding out. Like, I don't know. We'll talk to Sam about that, about the heat. Uh, But they're going over to London. The players are going to London. We've talked about that with the Vikings-Saints game. Uh, Don't know the weather over there. Haven't even looked at it. But before we get into this betonline.net odds favorite and and, and who's right and who's wrong and where should the line be, make sure that you know that you can now find the Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app to get all your favorite shows. Well, as we jump into today's show, I got to bring Sam Ekstrom in and, and just talk first. Just knock it out. Sam, 30, 30 seconds, not even. Mm-hmm. Are, wh- yeah. Where are you with your heat in Minnesota? Because I keep seeing these tweets from Minnesotans saying, at what point are you going to turn your heat on? Yeah, so I really hate being cold in my house, and I feel like <laughs> our house runs cold as it is. Like the basement that I record in, by default is like 64 degrees. Like I really don't like being cold. So I'm probably more like your wife. I'm going to turn the heat on sooner than later um, and make sure that we're like, you know, 68 baseline. Um, And then, you know, if it does, if we do have a warm day, then we'll put the cool back on and kind of fluctuate. But I'm, I'm kind of a wimp around the cold. I'll admit it. Well, you know, I bought one of those home packages. I, I, I'm always against that kind of stuff. But the older I get, the more I get like my parents. And so I bought one of those home packages where they come every uh, every uh, spring, winter, fall, whatever. And they check all your stuff, the air conditioner, the furnace. They check your gas lines. They check uh, the vents, all that stuff, like the, the home maintenance stuff that I normally uh, am not going to do. You know, they, they check to make sure your filters are changed and all that stuff. And so this last visit, of course. They tell us that there's a slight crack in something in the furnace. And so we can either get it fixed, which is about half the cost of a new one. So, of course, I'm like, well, why would I just get it fixed and then pay half of what it would cost to get a new one? 
So I'm going to get a new one. And so that's today was like, so that's the one reason why I haven't turned it on. Like I've been, they turned the gas off to the furnace because they're like, look, it's a crack in it. I don't know, you know, it's not going to kill you, but eventually if you get enough carbon monoxide, you'll die. So I'm holding off. But today I think I'm going to call the guy and say, all right, let's go ahead and get this replaced. It's getting cold out. Uh, my, my wife, my kids are going to kill me if they wake up again and they're freezing because it is cold in the mornings. Now in the afternoons, like once the sun comes up, uh, because the skylights in the kitchen, the house is actually pretty warm without the heat on. But yeah, in the morning, it does get pretty chilly. So yeah, we might have to do that. Put it on a little uh, timer to warm it up overnight for us and then turn it off when we leave for school and work. But Sam, as we jump into this hot Vikings Saints game, this is a game now that actually means something to toss up because what the Eagles did and then how, how many players the Saints added to their uh, roster and then what you saw against the Bucks. Even though the Bucs uh, were a good team and, and, and forced Jameis in some turnovers, Jameis Winston still finds ways to be effective. We also have to remember this dude threw for 5,000 yards. So, Sam, quick twitch. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on this upcoming Saints-Vikings game? Yeah, well, I, I want to know what Jameis Winston's back situation is. I'm hearing transverse fracture, um, and I'm seeing a lot of interceptions on his, his uh, line score. So that tells me that Jameis Winston is still Jameis Winston. He's going to make mistakes, and you've got to take advantage of those mistakes, and he's playing hurt. So I feel like the quarterback advantage is in the Vikings' favor in this game, and I think the, uh, the line reflects that, minus three. But two, if you look, too, at what the Saints have done this year, they miraculously snuck by Atlanta, and Atlanta's a bad team. They had no business winning that game until a big fourth quarter. Uh, they lose to the Panthers. I don't know if the Panthers are a good team, and they put up three points against Tampa, and Tampa is a good team. But they've played three games where they could easily be 0-3, Ron. So I feel like three is like the minimum that I would set for this game. Um, and I think the Vikings are correctly favored. Is that, is that how you feel? Yeah, I, I think so. When you look at the quarterback matchup first, let's go with the quarterback matchup. Uh, Jameis Winston edges Kirk out in total pass yards, but his interception to TD ratio is crazy right now. He's literally trending for what he did uh, in his last year with the Bucks. He has four touchdowns, five interceptions. Now, Kirk did have a three interception game, but if he were to go clean, unscathed the rest of the season, he would probably only end up with about seven interceptions because I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to have another game like that. Like, I can pretty much guarantee mm -hmm. he's not going to throw three picks anymore. One, he's probably learned, hey, his back shoulder. I, I got a chance to interview Tanner Morgan yesterday, and he and I talked about that. Like, the Daniel Jackson touchdowns, I was like, was that a back shoulder? He's like, yep, that was a back shoulder fade call. Fade stop is what you call it. Um, so a lot of that times, if, if the communication says sometimes it's what the defense gives you. And if Kirk Cousins didn't see what Justin Jefferson saw, that's the reason for some of those red zone interceptions uh, and issues. The one corner route, I've talked about that. So I don't think Kirk's going to have that type of game again. Jamin's Winston will give you the ball, but it's up to like Harrison Smith. Now the Vikings have played without him. Josh Metellus did well. Uh, Cam Bynum continues to shine. Like his, his ability to read in the box now when you saw him make that fourth and one stop where he kind of read it and forced the running back to take a, a secondary step out, allowing the defense to catch up to him. Cam Bynum's playing well. Um, but when you look at the, the percentage completion-wise for Jameis Winston, 63.5% um, is not going to get it done on the field or in the classroom. Uh, but Kirk says 62, so that's not good either. Um, but not bad, but not good either. Like, he has to improve there. Uh, when you look at the uh, touchdown, like I said, five touchdowns for Kirk Cousins, three interceptions. His passer rating, sorry, that's where the 84 is. His passer rating is 84. Uh, and that's where I think he edges Jameis Winston out a little bit better. 
Um, the 84 pass rating still has to improve, though. We've talked about, like, the Jalen Hurts, 106.5. Kirk Cousins has to get there, and that's where you want to get. 60% completions. He's got to get closer to that 69, that 70 percent completions to, to really be an efficient quarterback because you look at Josh Allen 71 you look at Tua Tagovailoa 71 uh you look at Justin Herbert I mean upper upper 67 um that's where you want to Joe Flacco's 58 points that's not going to get it done like it, it, you know people want to say well you know it's tough to be in the 80s it is but you gotta be it's 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 a game of inches in football and, and we know that and, and one slight change here or there can change it third down efficiency you know, we looked at the Vikings getting 30 first downs, but having a dismal third or uh, 30 first downs, but a dismal third down outing. You have to mm -hmm. find ways to subsidize. And that's what they did on first and second down. But you still got to be pretty good on third down as well. You don't want to always end up punting. I mean, to be three and 16, it's not good. Like you don't want to always end up having to punt on third down and, you know, and have to rely on first and second down first downs. You want to end up in third and short, as I've said, third and three, third and two. Those are manageable third downs where the defense can't really figure out what you want to do, which means you got to be a little bit more efficient on first, second down. Nothing wrong with getting first downs on first, second down, but then if it's always that boomer bust and then you're not getting them, then you're putting yourself in terrible third down situations. So you got to figure that out. And so what Kevin O'Connell has to do now is figure out his way to do it. How am I going to get into this? And, and, and offensive coordinators, like people always say, the first 15 plays are probably scripted, give or take. After that, you got to get a feel for the game. And this is what I will say that's kind of a sneaky thing, and, I, and I'll pay off the tees as far as a three-point favorite in my opinion, but Garrett Bradbury has not looked bad. Like, I think Kirk Cousins being Correct. able to change some plays at the line of scrimmage, Kirk Cousins be able to get in some plays that work, Kevin O'Connell putting them in better situations, he has not looked as bad as they even thought, I think, because they kept saying he has to improve here, he has to improve here. Maybe that was a Jedi mind trick to say, dude, get better. Like, this is not your job. You have to win this. You have to improve. Ed Ingram looks like he belongs, like he's playing well. You're not seeing him getting blown back into the quarterback's lap every game like we've seen in the past with Vikings guards. Ezra Cleveland continues to improve. The tackles have been great. Like the tackles have been really good. Like we don't even talk about getting blown by and blowing up the backside of the quarterback, knock on wood, so we don't have that in this coming game. But because Cam Jordan is a beast, but we have not seen the tackles have been good. Um, I, I think the one downfall spot, because Dalvin Cook looked good, Alexander Madison looked good, we know Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen looked good with K.J. Osborne, it's been the tight end. Irv Smith has been the one line where you're like, man, if only he could find a way to get a little bit more wiggly, a little bit more loose, create a little bit more separation, they have an a, a, a offense hitting on all cylinders. I hate to say this, but you put Travis Kelsey in this offense or Zach Ertz, this is a nasty, well-oiled machine. It's there. But they need Irv Smith to do what he did in college, which is create separation, uh, get nasty and wiggle. Like, utilize your leverage. Find the leverage of the guy guarding you. Find out if his man or zone and where you're going to actually line up and go. Like, it's got to be a little bit more detailed. That's why Johnny Munt, I think, starts out most of the games. Irv comes in as tight end, too. Uh, whether it's because of injury and he hasn't, you know, they just don't want to put him out. But he's playing. But Johnny Munt is going out there as their, as their tight end one in a lot of their running passing situations. Irv comes in in certain uh, formations, but I, I don't think they're completely sold on, on, on Irv, but he can earn it. He can earn it. Um, but in my opinion, the three points, I, th I think that's right. I think that's right uh, for the simple fact of it's a neutral. Like if you were in New Orleans, I think it might be a little bit more even if not give the Saints a one and a half point favorite because of the crowd noise. But now that it's even, um, 
both both quarterbacks are gonna have to deal with noise because those fans over there are fans of everything like you're gonna see jerseys from <laughs> every team except for probably the browns represented over there and you're gonna have so many different you know jerseys out there and fans they just want to cheer like they don't care who's on the field who's making up now you're gonna have a huge uk vikings following because we know uh there's a huge following in the uk uh for the vikings um, so you're going to have that. You're going to have a lot of Vikings fans travel. I see a lot of the Vikings wives already packed up and ready to get on the road Thursday. Um, but that that's the key is like, what is this going to look like uh, when they get there? And I, I'd say the Vikings are going to, they're going to have the early edge um, for the simple fact of, I think Kevin O'Connell's quarterback is better. And I think his offensive strategy is a little bit better. Um, I think Jameis Winston goes into games just thinking like, you know what? If all else fails, I'm going to just throw this thing up and hope my guy can make a play. And that's why I think, you know, having Harrison Smith in this game is going to be key. Hopefully he can get back on the field because he's a great center fielder and he's a great weapon when it comes to that. I, nothing against Josh Metellus. I don't think Josh Metellus can do what, uh, and everybody knows that, what Harrison Smith can do back there just from a knowledge standpoint of knowing like, hey, I, I'm the helper. I'm going to disguise it and do this, but I'm going to get back in center field. And when he throws it up, I know I can close on that. Because uh, Jameis is going to do that. He's going to do that here and there. But he also can get hot and really hurt you. So um, I, I do think they, they, that is a good number for them uh, as far as a favorite. Um, but coming up, we got Marquise Gray joining me in the Hangout with Ron Johnson segment. But before we do that, we have a word from our sponsors. We've been telling you about the lines from betonline.net. That's your number one source for football betting info this season. Find the latest developments, team matchups, and news at betonline.net, which has the best, most up-to-date analysis. The Vikings are minus three against the Saints on Sunday, over under 44. So they're thinking like a 23-20 Vikings win in that game. Uh, it's not just NFL. It's NCAA football. It's MLB. It's UFC. It's golf. It's everything. It's betonline.net. Check it out online on your mobile device and learn more about the action Bet online where the game starts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Well, now it's time to hang with Ron Johnson. I got my boy Marquise Gray. I don't think if Marquise Gray's kids didn't play basketball, I would probably I would I would have forgot to reach out to him. Uh, his sons are playing for Eden Prairie Youth Basketball. They made the top team, and of course, Marquise has to get them their numbers. Uh, so he reached out to me because I work with the program, <laughs> and uh, so you know we had we had to get them the numbers they wanted for the season. I did put the request in, Marquise, just to let you know. So uh, I know they say they're going to try to set the roster if they have their sizes and the numbers they want. Uh, but Marquise, man, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson show. Uh, I'm going to jump out there, man. You played in a time where 
you know, you had to decide from college playing quarterback going in the NFL what you want to do. Uh, what was that transition like going from uh, quarterback in college, one of the top college quarterbacks in the Big Ten, one of the most exciting quarterbacks in the Big Ten, to NFL teams saying, hey, I think you'd be better suited at tight end? Oh, it was very hard um, going from quarterback to tight end as well as doing special teams. Uh, no, I felt like um, I had I had the privilege in, um, of one of the NFL teams. I think it was, the, it was the Jets. They wanted to bring me in as a quarterback. And then I had other teams that wanted to bring me as a tight end. But uh, I, I was a 49er boy growing up. Uh, my oldest brother was a Jerry Rice fan. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was. And then they had all the, the firepower there, too. It was the year after the Super Bowl where the lights cut off, too. So I was just like, hey, let's try tight end over. Uh, with the 49ers, get to learn from Vernon Davis, and and of course, using my athletic ability, I felt like I'll have a, a longer career playing tight end. But what I didn't realize was how how strong those boys were, man. And that was one of the things that took the, the longest to adjust to, besides uh, getting more conditioning and running running around a lot. I, I, did, I did some running at quarterback, but I didn't run like we had to cover the whole field in special teams practice. So. Uh, I I can't lie. I mean, when I got to got to training camp with the 49ers, man, I was ready to call my wife and tell her I'm ready to pack it in. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't expect none of that. I didn't expect none of that. Like I said, I'm coming from quarterback. All we did was take drop steps and we throw the ball a little bit. But I'm going from covering the field the whole time in special teams and going right back to uh, O&D. It, it, it was brutal. But as far as uh, the transition, it, it, was, it was extremely hard. Not not the mental aspect. Well, yeah, I can't because the offense we had it was pretty hard too. Uh, Coach Ro, uh, G Row, who's, who's the offensive coordinator for the, the Ravens now, he was my OC, and that offense was something special. Yeah, man. And so you know, looking at and you brought up your wife, and so Tanner Morgan. I, I interviewed Tanner Morgan yesterday, and Tanner is a married college athlete. You were basically a married college athlete as well. Uh, what was that like, basically being married in college? I got married. Yeah, I actually got married my senior year. Uh, got married, and during the po uh, our bowl game, and I was scared to tell Coach Kill, "Hey, man, I just got married." <laughs> you know, he he was like, "I love Coach Kill, man." To this day, I still remember everything he done for us. He offered to. Uh, he said he got messed up. He got. I'm sorry. He got mad that I didn't invite him to the wedding. We didn't even have a big <laughs> wedding. We really got married at the Mall of America because I was in college. We didn't have no money, but. He, he understood it. He was all for it, and he allowed my whole family to come down for the bowl game, and we had a great time. But, yeah, it was it was, it was hard at, at times uh, just knowing that I got to do practice. I had the twins, too, but I had to put all that aside, focus on getting uh, the bigger picture, which was uh, providing for the family that I, had, that I just created. So I, I wouldn't say it was hard on that part, but it was mainly hard on just, just focusing, balancing everything together a little bit. Yeah, and I'm gonna make sure we get this clip to uh, Tanner Morgan. So, what advice would you have for Tanner Morgan? Because he's literally in your shoes. He's been married for three months. Manly, I, I would just say take it one day at a time, man. Uh, continue to once you're on the field, focus on the field, and once you're at home, focus at home. Uh, don't bring, don't, don't, don't combine the two because the minute you do, that's when everything will start to fall apart. So, like I said. What's on the field stays on the field, and what's at home stays at home. Yeah, man, that's good advice. That's good advice. So let's talk about Coach Kill. You brought that up. Coach Kill, you had Brewster, who recruited you. I remember watching you in the Army-Navy mm -hmm. game, and you committed to Minnesota. Um, and then you end up – and your hat was a little bit too small, I think, but – It was. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but you committed to Minnesota. Uh, everybody's excited. Big, strong quarterback coming to Minnesota under Brewster. Uh, had some turmoil years with Brewster, and then all of a sudden now you get Coach Kill. What was the transition or the differences between Kill and Brewster? Uh, like, I don't want to say, like, they said Brew is like a car salesman. I wouldn't say that. I mean, Brew was the mainly one of the main reasons why I got here. I mean, you just fell mm -hmm. home. And the fans, too, like, I only took one official visit, and that was here in Minnesota. So between Coach Brew and the fans, that's what brought me here. So there's nothing I can really say bad about Coach Brewster. And then once we got Coach Kill, he believed in me. He gave me the opportunity, even when I didn't have bad games, he kept me in there and encouraged me. And I felt like we just had each other's back through everything, through his uh, epilepsy uh, mm -hmm. seizures and through my couple of my bad games. Like one, my, I would say probably my worst games was the first game of the season when we were in uh, Las Vegas when we played, uh, I can't remember the team name, but I've been out of school so long. <laughs> but uh, what school? UNLV, yeah. Okay. <laughs> incomplete pass, incomplete pass. I mean, we won the game, but he stuck beside me and that let me know that he was for me. Like the first day I met him, we ran into each other in the hallway uh, once he got the job, gave me a couple compliment compliments and told me that I'm his guy. He was gonna stick it out to me, and he did. Um, when I got hurt, he found a way to get me back on the field. I mean, I could have had the option of just sitting back and letting uh, my other quarterbacks take over, or be on the field playing tight end or wildcat or receiver. And me being an athletic person, like I said, I just I wanted to be on the field. That was the main thing. So I put my pride to the side, learned a new position, and he he backed me up through throughout all the way. So I love both of those guys. Yeah, man. And so you, you look at now Coach Kill, and now he's still coaching and he, you know, just played the Gophers. Gophers are, you know, number 21 in the nation now. So clearly they are a lot better than people even assumed early with some of the early wins. Sure. Uh, when you see Coach um, uh, P.J. Fleck, though, like what what does the program now mean to you seeing, you know, where they've gone, what they've built, the national recognition they're getting? Um, they're starting to show old highlights of guys like yourself when they're talking about the different teams over the years and, and the number of athletes that have come through here. Um, you know, how much pride do you have when you see what PJ Flex put together on the field? Man, I love it. I love the energy he brings to the team. Uh, he's one of those guys that we say in the NFL, like a player's coach. He's, he looks after his guys. I mean, I get jealous sometimes, like seeing all the <laughs> trips they take in and the new facility, the new jerseys. I'm like, man, that's nice. But at the same time, he's a coach you would want to play for. I mean, he, he and his staff are doing a great job sticking together and uh, uh, getting that team to where they are today. I mean, like I said, when I was in college, I had, what, three head coaches, six position coaches. And just having the same coaching staff throughout your whole college career, that could even help as much. And like I said, man, that energy, having his guys run up and down the sideline uh, after each quarter, just the tone of his voice, the press conferences, he, he's one of the coaches you want to play for, for sure. Wow, wow, wow. I didn't realize you had that many coaches. That's crazy. Six coaches. Yeah. Six positions. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, so NFL, you, you go to the NFL, uh, you play for a couple teams, but you play for the Vikings. You did have a chance to be here with the with mm -hmm. the Vikings. Uh, what was that experience like being in Minnesota with the Vikings? It was great just being back home with my family. Uh, like I said, that's when my boys were at their youngest, like cause I missed so much. Uh, uh, time being with them and some of their school events or even sporting events, just to get that call to come back to know that the Vikings had claimed me once I got released from the Ray, uh, the, the the Browns. Man, I was so happy, man. I couldn't, I don't even, I think I still got stuff back in Cleveland because I left so fast just to get back here, <laughs> just to be back home. <laughs> like, I was so excited just to be back home with my family. And, and the time we had uh, North Turner, I had him before too. So, and it was, he was the main reason, he was probably the main reason why I got here. So, 
Like it, it was great, man. I mean, of course, Adam <laughs> Thielen was there too. Like, this is, this is, yep. There's still a couple guys there when I was there, but I trained with Adam Thielen, so I got to see firsthand of all the work that he put in uh, through our off season and all that stuff, and see that way he's become today. They never wanted the faces of the Vikings, man. It's great to see, and he's been he's been a great person, great father, and a, a great athlete. Like I said, man, it, it was just great. I was so happy. I couldn't. I, I didn't want to leave, but unfortunately, you know, this NFL is a business, and what was the worst part about it is when I got cut, I had to go to uh, Buffalo when they had the the snowstorm. So, and I seen yep. it on the news. I was like, man, I hope I don't go to Buffalo. Next thing you know, got the call. I'm going to Buffalo. But it turns out I freaking love Buffalo. Buffalo was, man, that's one place you would love to play at and a team you'll play for. So I can't, I can't, I really don't have any regrets or negativity to say about my, my whole career playing in the NFL. But I was, I was so happy to be blessed to play with the Vikings and be back home with my family. So that was that was one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, man. So looking at quarterback, so you play quarterback, but you end up playing tight end. But you play quarterback. So there were times I know when like a quarterback would do something, where you're like, man, what? like, how did you do? This? Like, I know, I know what you should have done here. Uh, but what are some of the favorite, like your favorite quarterbacks you play with that threw you the ball in your time? No particular order. I'll say Matt Moore. He was a gunslinger. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, of course. Um, <clears throat> who else? Oh, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Man, if you're talking about an NFL putting headaches on defenses and having a defense manage to uh, – defensive coordinator managing a dual-third quarterback that can pass the ball to, he, I was about to say that dude, man, he can throw the ball. He's got an arm. He's he very accurate, very smart, too. He's like one of those – I would say he was one of my big brothers, too. Because sometimes when I would come into the training room, I would like to drink like the little Welch's grape juice. He's like, man, put that down and drink some water. Like, you're right, you're right, I'll do that. But at the same time, man, that dude was just, he was like, he was on every little detail, making sure guys was in the right spot, just being overall field general as a quarterback. And I was like, I was probably like the top, one of my top three quarterbacks that I played with, for sure, for sure, Tyrod Taylor. And when you look at this Gophers team, uh, last one before we jump into the daily three, uh, when you look at this Gophers team, now people are saying Penn State's the next test because Purdue, nothing against Purdue, uh, but Penn State, Illinois <coughs> is a sneaky one. But then you got Wisconsin, Iowa. What do you think the Gophers' chances this year now are going to the Big Ten championship game? Very high, very high. And being an athlete and being uh, a, a guy in the NFL, you know, you notice that any given any given uh, outcome can happen on any given day. So as long as they continue to play the way they have been playing, they should be Big Ten champs, one hundred percent. I mean, they're like you said. Uh, I think they they're number two in the nation in running. I think so. Mm-hmm. And then they're in yep. Top twenty-five. I mean, and it's kudos to Coach, coach uh, Kurt. What's his? I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Kurt Shiraka. Shiraka. Welcome back, brother. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, brother. <laughs> and that defense is not not allowing a point, or not not allowing a touchdown. Man, they they got they they're in the right headed in the right direction. So they continue to do what they're doing right now. And like I said, there's no reason why they shouldn't be, be Big Ten champs. Yeah, they're number one in the nation in third down efficiency too, which you know as an offensive guy, that's that's huge when you can make sure you're moving the sticks every single time just about. Now, granted, the early games, people are saying they didn't play a lot, but Michigan State, they still had a great day on third down. So now Purdue, and then, you know, we'll see Illinois, Penn State, but Purdue is the next one up in the Purdue championship season, as P.J. Fleck would call it. Um, So I'm looking forward to it. And then homecoming. So homecoming's coming up. Uh, Are you going to go, or do your boys have football? 
We got football, and that's the day, that's the that's the thing they have football. Normally, we have football eight or nine a.m., but this Saturday yep. is, of course, at 12, 12 o'clock. So <laughs> I'm hoping, hopefully, I can get out there to. I want to get to the Iowa game, so yep. hopefully, I'll find a way to get out there and bring them boys. So that's that's the that's the main trophy because mm. I didn't get the axe, man. I just anytime we can, I still every day I get mad about that. I can, didn't get the axe, but I got the pig two times, so that's the game that I want to go to get the boys out there to see that and hopefully bring home that victory. Yeah, man. Well, thank you uh, for joining me in the Ron Jackson segment, but ne- or hang with Ron Jackson segment. But next, Marquis is going to stick around. Sam's going to join the show. We got the daily three. That's three questions. We're both going to take about a minute and a half each. And then we're going to, you know, Sam's going to throw some questions at us because Sam's going to lead the way. But check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube. Following every Twins, Vikings, Wilder, Wolves game, our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with team insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. Well, it's that time. The Daily Three. Take it away, Sam. I want to dig a little bit more into your transition to tight end, Marquise. And you, Ron, too. You dabbled as a tight end. So I'd like to get both of your perspectives of the challenges of adjusting to that position, having to block edge rushers at times. I imagine that's pretty difficult. Ron, why don't you uh, take the first crack at it? Yeah, mine was probably a little bit easier. I played receiver already, and I was already a big blocking receiver. I mean, I was with the Ravens for three years, so we had Jamal Lewis that, you know, rushed for 295 yards against the Browns. So I literally, I mean, we threw the ball 10 times that game. I think I had two targets uh, that season, a game just about. I mean, it was, we just ran the ball. We ran the ball down people's throats. We, we traveled with five running backs. That's how we knew we were going to run the ball. I remember the Steelers game, we activated three receivers. That was it. It was me, Travis Taylor, <laughs> and Brandon Stokely. And I was like, oh, my God, we're not going to throw the ball today. Like, we had four tight ends, five running backs, and three receivers active for, like, at least four to five games. And so we just knew Brian Billick was going to, you know, he was going to run the ball. So when I got when I got to the Bears and I started off as a receiver, a lot of guys in the room, Lovey Smith's like, hey, can you play tight end if you can gain some weight? I said, sure, of course, because you want to make the team. Um, and it wasn't as hard because I had already played a slot a lot. I was already coming down one by one off the tight end anyway as a big receiver to block the edge. Uh, the hardest was being backside by myself, having to block guys like Izzy Adonage, um, I remember, uh, what was the other one? Uh, I forgot his name. Big, tall. Jason Taylor. We played the Dolphins. Had to block Jason Taylor one-on-one. Like, I had no shot. Like, I remember, like, Julius Peppers. I'm like, come on now. Like, this, like, run away from me. Run tall, sweep the other way. Like, don't run my way. Because there's no way at 245 pounds I'm blocking these guys. Like, no shot. Like, I used to try to buddy-buddy with some of the guys I knew, too. Like, hey, man, come on now. Like, let's let's chill out. Let's, let's, let's calm down. Uh, I remember playing the same same thing. I was like, dude, just calm down, bro. Like, we, we boys, like, don't do not do it. But, yeah, that was the hardest for me, blocking DNs by myself. And it had to be, like, one or two seconds, but that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Marquise, what about, what about you? I would agree 100%. 100%. Just like I have the story about um, Julius Peppers. Man, I had a play where I had to just go cutting. Because I felt like, like, personally, he never played hard. But he always dominated, so he never he never had to. So I went back to cutting. He looked at me. All right, all right, I got you. I was like, I was like, chill, chill. That's I was supposed to do that. I don't want to. I don't want no problems. Please don't do it. <laughs> Next thing you know, hey, I'm I'm concussed out. <laughs> like, coach, I need to play. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just blocking those dudes, man. It's like you don't know real strength until you go against one of those guys. I also had to go against. Um, 
uh, what's our, uh, James Harrison. When you say oh, brick yeah, wall, that dude there, you can literally hit him and you fall back. I gave him everything I have, I had, and he didn't. He didn't move. Made the tackle. Felt bad, but like coach, you see what he do to tackles. What do you expect from me? So, but at the same time, man, yeah, blocking those dudes one on one, you just pray. You just like just hold on for dear life for these few seconds, and then the play will be over. But yeah, that physical part of being a tight end, man, you, I don't think you ever get used to that, ever. And then you got the mental side too. You know, some offenses it may be easy, some might be hard. That's incredible. Um, second question for you guys. What was your favorite NFL venue to play at? Any stadium that you played at in your career? Ron, uh, what would you say? Ooh, uh, favorite NFL venue. Honestly, you know what? Back in the day, I'd say the Falcons. Like, playing in Atlanta, uh, one, Michael Vick was there. So that was just, I mean, I was a fan, even though, like, he, I didn't have to go against him. He was the other quarterback. Uh, but getting a chance to meet Michael Vick on the field before the game, uh, you know, he was, we were the same age, but he had left early. Uh, I remember he was at Virginia Tech, and so we got to talk to him. But that's that venue in Atlanta back then with the Dirty Birds and all that stuff. Ray Lewis, unfortunately, had just had some situations off the field. Uh, so their fans were absolutely brutal. I mean, we showed up dudes dressed in like prison outfits with bars and all this stuff with the, with the Ray Lewis jersey on behind bars. So their fans were absolutely nuts. But the, the just Atlanta itself, too, being a young black guy in the city of Atlanta, I mean, man, it was like, I mean, it was like a party. Like when you walk to the stadium, you're walking up like dinner the night before the game, just going out to the mall. It's, it's people everywhere. And it was just fun to be in that atmosphere because uh, I've been on the flip side going to like Wisconsin and it's totally different. Um, so I say Atlanta was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Marquise I would say uh, even though I was a part of the team I would say the Buffalo Bills uh, love playing in that place man it's always rocking you think you have some either a uh, small event no matter what those Buffalo Bills fans man they're going to show up and show out uh, one of the places I hated going and I didn't know if we were going to make it back home was an uh, Oakland those fans there man <laughs> when I say <laughs> When I say they hitting the bus when you driving up to the stadium, they giving you a finger and everything. It's like, man, let's let's just play this game and get out of here safe, y'all. That's all we want to do. <laughs> but yeah, those are my. I would say those are my two favorite and worst two uh, worst uh, stadiums to play at. I do got an audible call for you because you know the bear always is my offensive coordinator right here. You're always giving me plays. Audible on this one for you, Marquise. Buffalo Bills. Like, were you ever tempted to like try to attempt to jump through a table? Like, did that ever come up in the locker room with players? Like, did anybody ever try to jump through a table? Oh, uh, no, man. I was still trying to make, I was still trying to keep my job the whole time. I didn't want anything, <laughs> any injury to prevent that, but I would watch it in a heartbeat because that's all, that's what they known for. Everyone, you drive up to the stadium on, and you just see, boom, boom, <laughs> boom. They show it on TV too. Like, that's, I just, I don't know where they got it from, but they love it and they do it continuously. and. I would never do that, but I would love to watch. I love to watch. <laughs> That's what somebody said. They said, whenever the Buffalo Bills are doing well, Home Depot is in trouble because no table is safe in <laughs> Buffalo. And then another one, which I truly believe, they said, if the Eagles and the Bills somehow make it to the Super Bowl, there's no city in the world that can hold that much chaos from two fan bases that are absolutely <laughs> nuts. So I'm like, that might be true. Hey, that's too. believable. Mm -hmm. That's believable. What? Last question for you guys. Um, you both played 
long, illustrious Gophers career. I want to know what your favorite trophy to play for was. Ron, we'll start with you. Man, I mean, I'd say, like, in my career, I'd say the the Hawkeyes was a good one because we beat them three out of four times. Um, it was always close back then. Uh, both teams were always fighting for, like, that last, like, you know, two or three in the Big Ten to try to get to the better bowl game. Uh, for at least three of those years, we were one year, we were we were just on the border of my freshman year. But after that, we kind of got it together with when Tyrone Carter kind of came into his own. Uh, Glenn Mason started to get it figured out. So it was Iowa. But, I mean, between Iowa and Wisconsin, I think both. Like, being at Wisconsin, we only won once. Like, and that was my senior year. But, you know, being at Wisconsin, playing their fans, like, all the games. We, like, we went to overtime against them with Ron Dane here in Minnesota. So it was never a blowout. It was always close. Uh, we had, like, a last-minute drive. They beat us in, in Wisconsin as well. And then in Minnesota, we actually – I think I don't think it was close. I think it was, like, 29-17 or something like that. So that was actually fun to finally – have a game where it didn't come down to the last minute, even though I still think my, my sophomore year they cheated us because I don't I really don't think Laron Dane, like, I, I don't think he scored. There's no way he scored, but whatever. <laughs> that's, that's a, it's a different story. Uh, but I think Tyrone Carter stopped him on that fourth down. They said he got it because it's Ron Dane and the media wanted him. You know, he was the, Hall, the Heisman darling and all this other crap. But uh, we absolutely held him to, I think, like the lowest run total he ever had that season. Uh, he came on the podcast earlier this year. He actually talked about that, playing against Minnesota and how hard it was to play against that defense, funneling to him. But, yeah, I'd say Wisconsin and Iowa, those two trophies were the best for me. Marquise? Yes, same for me. Same for me. Um, I would say Iowa because I got I got the trophy twice. Um, I always wanted that ax, man. Like like Ron said, playing at their, their, their stadium and hearing the jump around song, the field um, vibrating a little bit. And just I was just – that's why I get so happy when uh, the Gophers today get the axe. So I would say, yeah, the the Wisconsin Badgers and the Iowa, Iowa Hawkeyes. So I love I love beating Iowa, but never never got to beat uh, Wisconsin. And, I feel and, like and the, Iowa. No, yeah, go Sam. Not yeah, well, not getting to play Michigan very often with this division alignment. I think it's taken a little luster yeah. away from the little brown jug, but the jug is awesome, and that's a super old trophy. They used to play almost every year, and now it seems like they've only played Michigan a couple times in the last 10 years. It's uh, kind of a bummer because I love that one. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be like every six years almost, but then I think once uh, this UCLA-USC comes, I think they're going to have to realign it and change it up. They are saying they're going to take the alignments out and make it like a randomized schedule every year. But, they, you know, who knows? Who knows with the money? Uh, yeah, last – another audible one for you. Marquise, USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> like they said, man, it's a money move. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the idea of it. I like I like our teams. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a good fit. It's just UCLA, USC, and the Big Ten. It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. But, hey, what do I know? But, like I said, I'm just – I'm just sold on the old Big Ten, so. Yeah, you and Spice, man. Spice Adams, he's not a fan of it either, but I think it's because of Penn State having to go all the way across the coast. But Spice Adams wasn't a fan. Everybody's different. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. I got to get some USC guys on here to, to, to talk about what they think because, <laughs> yeah, it's it's 50-50 right now. Half the guys that come on the show, they love it because of the money. And then you and Spice, man, mm -hmm. y'all are sticking to it. It's not, actually, it's not 50-50. More people like it than you two. Um, it's more like 80-20. Uh, but, yeah, you and Spice, y'all y'all the only two so far that have said, I don't like it. We're going to have to get, like, a Big Ten commissioner. I know Kevin Warren uh, and his assistant, 
Uh, we're gonna have to try to get one of them on to talk about that as well. Cause seven point for this is the thing, Marquis, seven point five billion dollars next year for the TV contract over the next whatever seven years. So I think that's part of the reason why USC and UCLA were a huge yeah. ad because that adds TV value. And then that's going to put more money in the players' pockets eventually because these for NILs, sure. as they get more on TV. Um, yeah, another last overtime. Well, you know, like any coach, when you're doing conditioning drills, you got 16 110s, you got one more. If you had yeah, to pick more. your perfect <laughs> NIL, because you were in college, you were a big-time quarterback in college, big-time recruit, what would have been the NIL deal you would have wanted in college? Um, like now that I think about it, I would say five gun. That I mean, simple five gun because I was number five, <laughs> I was number five, and I always choose five gun. Like that's my favorite, my favorite gun. So anything with that, and then I don't know, man. I really ain't thought about. It. I, I bet should been more uh, on the on the sensitive side that it didn't happen when I was playing because all the all the guys that I played with, you probably would have made bank. And then when I got to the NFL. My signing bonus was only four thousand dollars, so I had to send that home for rent. So I didn't have any money really. So I would have, I would have gladly took any and everything if I could have. Oh yeah, starting QB for sure. You definitely would have. Uh, but yeah, I want to thank Marquise Gray for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank all the listeners and continue to listen, download, subscribe. Please comment, like, and share. Let us know what was your favorite trophy game for the Gophers. Is it the Brown Jug? Is it the Governor's Bell with Penn State? Is it? Uh, the, the pig or is it the axe? Which one do you like the most? And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast and find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Thank you and have a great day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.